So, so we're going to look at Psalm 93. Um, and the first four, it's only five verses long, so it's quite a short psalm. And it's in a series from Psalm 93 up to Psalm 100, which really look at the various aspects and the nature of his kingly rule, the one true God's kingly rule. They're also known as, or part of what are called the enthronement um, psalms. And it strikes me as quite a good idea as we begin 2022, a new year. So often as we we're, you know, begin a new year, we start to look, or we do look back, we look forward to what, is, what might come, see what has been the past, and yet, and all the challenges, all the difficulties that we have experienced last year, and who knows what's going to happen this year, 2022. But one thing that we do know is that the Lord Almighty can be trusted. His reign is established, his rule and authority, and he doesn't change. And I think that's a good thing for us to think about as we, as I say, look back at 2021 and beyond and maybe look forward to see what um, might or might not occur. We can still trust that God Almighty rules and reigns. So let me read to you those first two verses. The Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago from eternity. Now, I don't know if over Christmas you've played games, all those word games, Scrabble, <laughs> one of the worst games ever, or if, you've, if you like Sudokus or word searches or just those sorts of things. So I've got a couple of words. I want you to see if you can work out what they are. If you've got your Bibles open, it might help you. So what I want you to do, we've got a couple of blanks there. Well, three blanks, so it's seven words long, um, seven letters long. And then if you take the first um, letter of each of those symbols and slot it in there, you will have a word, a word which describes something about um, God Almighty, something about his nature or character, okay? So, and if... You do know what it is. Put your hand up, okay? Don't shout it out. So curb your enthusiasm. Just, uh, who have we got? Oh, Ollie. Okay, let's see. There we go, majesty. All right? And we see that in those two verses, don't we? Right, here's the next one, all right? Again, five letters. And that symbol there is the last three letters. So again, give it a go. Anybody know what it is? I see Pat Law's keen. Asher. Oh, sorry. I need glasses. Go on. Robed, isn't it? Yeah, robed. Well done. Let's just see. If you're right, there we go. Robed. All right, so well done for finding those. 
say so let, and there you see it don't we robed in majesty the lord is robed in majesty do you see twice it uses that phrase uh, those words robed and majesty and we get that picture these are you know when we try to describe something we find it difficult we use those images those picture words and here we're saying that the lord almighty is robed majestic it denotes that kingly rule and nature. And here we see here his strength. Um, world is established and secure. It's stable. When all the things are changing around us, the king's creation, the king's world, is firm and secure, established. And do you see there in verse 2? Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. And eternity is one of those words which we struggle with. It's you know, beyond what we can really sort of imagine. Yet that's the truth, isn't it? Not only is the world and what we experience um, because of the Lord Almighty, because it is established and firm, and he upholds this world, keeps it, you know, sustains it, but also, he was the one who created it, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He, the one true God, was not created. He's always existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he created the world. We just sang, didn't we, a little while ago? All praise to him who formed the mountains by his might who names the stars, or praise to him who reigns in love, who guides the galaxies above with sovereign power and tender care. That is the one true God, God Almighty, whose rule and reign is secure. Have a look at uh, verses 3 and 4. I'll just read them out again. The seas have lifted up, Lord, the seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Might in the thunder of the great waves. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Did anybody go to the seaside this summer? Or oh, summer just gone? Yeah. That's, I, I, w- I was up on North Norfolk coast. Um, and... I love swimming in the sea. I haven't swum since 2016 when I was in Portugal. But, you know, you have to go out miles to even sort of get up to your waist on the North Norfolk coast. But have you ever been in a storm in the sea? I mean, it's a long time ago, the ferries, cross-channel ferries, before I had all those stabilizers. This was in the 70s and ancient history, I know. But when you see, you know, the sea, a storm, the winds and waves. I mean, just look here, how it describes here. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves, the thunder of the great waves. And that is what it's like when you, or maybe you've seen it on television, those waves and, you know, storms just sort of um, coming over um, onto the seashore and beyond. There's a huge power, but what does it tell us here? The Lord on high is mightier. He's mightier than anything else, including the storms, the waves. Now, can any of the younger ones here remember a story, a true story, um, 
in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus, there's Jesus in a boat with a storm. Can any of you remember it? Go on, Daniel. That's right, yeah. Here we go. It's, you'll find it in three of the four Gospels. You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I'll just read it out. So this is Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 23. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. They're in great danger. So, you know, the winds picked up, the waves were going over the side of the boat. These were fishermen, um, the disciples. They knew the Sea of Galilee very well. And yet this storm, which was, well, not just brewing, it had come and hit them as they were out fishing. And they were terrified, as we see. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith, he asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. You see, Jesus, both fully God and fully man, he controlled. With just a word, he stilled the storm. They say, so that it was completely calm. And just note how the disciples looked at that, at their, their reaction. They were amazed and also fearful. So who's this? What is that? Okay, any particular line? Go, yeah, Micah. It's Aslan, isn't it, uh, from Chronicles of Narnia. And um, in the line of Witch and Wardrobe, you remember how Lucy and Peter and Susan are on the run from the White Witch's secret police, the wolves. And they get to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's house. And this is... Lu Susan hasn't seen Aslan and when Mrs. Beaver talks about Aslan, this is what Susan says. This is from Lime Witch and Wardrobe. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, that you will dearie, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there is anyone who can appear, appear before Aslan without their knees knocking... They're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He is the king, I tell you. And so when we think about um, Jesus, I think it's right if we approach him with that sense of awe, even a right sense of fear. You know, at the beginning of Proverbs, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And yet we also know that God, in the person of Jesus, 
has confronted the greatest form of chaos, the chaos of sin and death. And those waves of sin and death swept over him on the cross at Calvary so that if we put our trust in him, we can approach him. Sin, which separates God from man, has been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. So we can come to him with confidence. Indeed, he calls us to do that, to trust him, with all our anxieties, our fears, even our joys, we can come to him. But also, as we've seen, both fully God and fully man as Jesus is, he is someone that we approach also with awe, that right sense of fear. All right, we've just got one more verse to look at. That's verse 4. The king's word. So again, let me read that for you. Your statutes, Lord. Just wait a minute while musicians take their place. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns adorns your house for endless days. So as we see here, not only is the world that one true God has created and established. Not only is his rule and his reign firm and solid, unchanging, also his words, the statutes. You know, we have a, a God who speaks and always speaks. He spoke creation into being. He spoke to the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. And yet, rather than expanding the presence in the garden to reflect and honor God, they chose to ignore him. He spoke to Abraham, or Abram as he was then, and made that promise, that threefold promise, that Abraham would be a father of a great nation, that they would have a land, and they would live under God's rule and blessing. I seem to have an echo. Is that okay? Is it something I'm doing or not? Okay, good. I think that's a little bit better. (laughs) Okay. Um, And also he gave his, um, he made a covenant, a promise, again, and he gave the ten words or ten commandments, his laws. So we see a God who speaks with words, and his words are trustworthy. Why? Because of who speaks, the Lord Almighty He's holy, righteous, and his words also stand firm as we see there. But also, they, his words of a solid rock on which his people can share in his holiness, grow more and more in that holiness and love for the one true God. Take a look at that picture there. That is the temple built by Solomon. And um, the temple was an important part of the sort of life of Israel, if you like, at the time. If you like, it's where heaven met earth, um, a place of God's presence, heaven on earth. But even Solomon, who built the temple, 
he knew that, you know, the one true God wasn't contained in just a building. This is what um, Solomon said when the temple, um, at the temple um, service, when the temple had been um, completed. He says, but will God really dwell on earth with humans? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? And also another feature of the temple was that it wasn't for the people of Israel just to keep to themselves. They were chosen to show what it was like, how good it was to live under the rule and reign of the one true God. And yet they sort of turn inwards. You see, here again in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 33, it says, So that all the peoples on earth may know your name and fear you, as you do your own people Israel, and may know that this house that I've built bears your name. So that was, that was another purpose of temple. It wasn't just for the people of Israel. It was to enable God's glory to be shown to all people so that the, um, God's presence would expand over the whole world. As I say, the problem was that the people of Israel, they didn't obey God. In fact, the idol almost became, the uh, temple almost became an idol for them. And we know that eventually, because of the people of Israel turning away from God, God left the temple. The Babylonians in um, 586 invaded and destroyed the temple and the people were taken off into captivity. And although the temple was rebuilt uh, when that remnant returned, and indeed Herod, the same Herod who we had at, um, we think about at Christmas, he, he extended and made the temple even more um, grand, not for God's glory, but probably for Herod's own glory. Nonetheless, God and how he would fulfill his purpose of a temple would change. No longer would it be based on a place or a building. It would be placed and the temple would be placed and contained in a person. And that person was Jesus. You remember in John's Gospel, chapter 2, he goes into the temple and clears out all the money lenders. And the Jews, uh, the religious leaders, are saying, by what authority do you do this? And this is how he answered. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has been 46 years to build a temple, and yet you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. So you see now that the temple is going to be built upon Christ Jesus. He will be the cornerstone. But what was to come next was probably even more surprising for um, those who are listening to what Jesus said about he himself being the temple, no longer being just a building or a place. Before we think about that, just have a look here 
Anybody want to tell me what this is? Go on, Micah. It is an old church. Well, it's, it's probably a bit of a, uh, a bit unfair of me. This is St. Andrew's Church in Steeple Gidding. I'm about five miles from where I am. It's actually, part of it was built in the 13th century. That's almost 900 years old. But it hasn't been used for many centuries. You can go in there. It's one of my favourite parts of Huntingdonshire. You can sit there across and look at the Huntingdonshire Wolds over to Northamptonshire there. But I would say it isn't a church because for a church, you need people. Now, this is a picture of Kingfisher Church. I don't know when these photographs were taken. All I know is that looking at that, yeah, all my resolutions of losing weight and uh, what have you definitely need to do. I don't know, and maybe... Do you know what? I just thought I'd say this, but if you see David Taglarini on the end there, I hadn't realised he looks like a much slimmer John Torido of MasterChef. (laughs) It's all right, he's not here, so I don't... But, But anyway, this is a church, the people, and we sang that song, didn't we? And, you know, that refers to that as well. God is building something beautiful. And this is what God says through the Apostle Paul. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Do you see Now, Jesus is the cornerstone of the temple, and it's being built, these, if you like, living stones, as um, one writer refers to them. And these living stones are God's people, those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember when we looked back, we saw saw in this verse, verse 5, how God's words are, are trustworthy, are, and they're established, and they are the solid rock on which we can grow in our trust and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But also it says holiness would adorn his house. So how's, how will that happen amongst us? Well, and here we, just before I sort of look at that, here is the Kingfisher Church vision statement or mission statement, if you like these sort of things. Um, It says, in Jesus Christ, we are the place of God's presence, living and expanding for his glory. Do you remember how we saw the temple? Even that temple that Solomon built and God's presence there, it was always meant that to enable God's presence to expand for his glory to the other nations. And then now we see Jesus is the temple, his body, and he's the cornerstone on which um, the temple is being built. And the church is the way the temple will be built. Those living stones, us, those who put their trust in Jesus. But as I say, and the way that it is built, and the way we become, we know Jesus more, we love him more, and that 
holiness. We become, be holy for I'm holy. That's uh, what we're called um, to do. How will that be achieved? But it's going to be through God's word. This was um, Mark Ashton. He was the leader of a church in Cambridge. Um, St. Andrews the Great in Cambridge, right by Lion Yard, if you know Cambridge. And I think he said in, in a book he wrote, uh, he died probably about 10 years ago from cancer. But I think these words are really helpful. The word of God does the work of God in the people of God through the spirit of God. And that is how the one true God is building his church, how his word is changing us to live for Christ, for his glory. And so that, there we go back to verse 5, we see your statutes, Lord, stand firm. It's God's word. Um, just think back there. The word of God does the work of God in the people of God through the spirit of God. So your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adores your house for endless days. So God's presence is expanding through his church, growing. And we've been looking at um, Acts in the evenings. And we um, hear in the first chapter of Acts that it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that is where we are, is going out to the ends of the earth. And God's presence is expanding for his glory until Christ comes again. And that new heaven and new earth, that new creation is created when the dwelling place of God will be with man and God's glory will fill the entire world. So let's pray now before we sing one more song. The Lord reigns, his robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty, armed in strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Heavenly Father, as we read this psalm, help us to put our trust in your Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever our circumstances, whatever the situation, might we recognize that you rule and reign Help us put our confidence in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us not to fear whatever the situation is. Might we draw close to your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And might your word work in us and through us so that you may be glorified. And we pray this now in Christ's name. Amen.